Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for May 19th, 2019. Wow, wow. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. <clears throat> I can't help but talk about uh, this is our lay minister induction weekend. Uh, it's uh, the LM11 group which is a lay minister, the 11th group to complete the almost two-year program. Every Sunday, they, write a, they, they have read and written a report on a signed reading, and then they call into a group teleconference uh, every Sunday, and they discuss uh, their report and anything that impacted them from the other people's reports. And it's a very, uh, you know, <clears throat> Reverend Gyome Kubose, my father's, uh, his books we cover, Everyday Suchness, Center Within, cover my Bright Dawn book, cover his Zen Koan book, and, and then we have uh, <clears throat> a book by Mizuno, who's uh, Basic Concepts in Buddhism, and we have um, Life of Gautama Buddha, uh, and we have Beatrice Lane Suzuki's, I think in 1970 or something like that, way back uh, uh, edition of Mahayana Buddhism. So those are some of the texts we use, but uh, we used to cover things like Buddhism in America, you know, the, the different faces of Buddhism in America to learn all the different denominations uh, we had several books on that where it talks about uh, how they're uh, developing in America all the different Buddhist denominations. We used to have current topics like covering uh, nature, covering ecology. You know, we had these textbooks. Then I said, you know, uh, people can study these things, these topics on their own in the future. But they, uh, we should concentrate on our niche 
Brighton's niche in terms of, and so, for example, uh, when we eliminated covering those kind of things, we ex- made it more intensive to cover my dad's books. And you know, Everyday Suchness and Center Within, well, Center Within is 58 short articles. Before, uh, we maybe had uh, six to eight articles for assigned reading, you know. And then I cut it down to maybe three, four. And then that expanded the, the number of weeks we would spend on his material. Because uh, they can't get that anyplace else, see. And uh, so, as you know, the LA program is uh, open to everyone and the people from all over the United States, sometimes even Hawaii and Brazil and uh, England. But they call in, it's internet-based. And uh, an induction Lay ministry induction ceremony is held the weekend before uh, Memorial Day weekend. So it's going on right now. They come, they come in, and uh, to see these people that they never saw each other in person before. They spent almost two years talking together on the group teleconference, but now you meet them in person. You can put a face to the name and so forth. And I had forgotten. Uh, in the year's time since the last induction, the 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 excitement, being so impressed with these committed, dedicated, heavy sweat equity <laughs> to call in, to make that commitment, call in every Sunday and uh, for almost two years, uh, uh, you know, I'm so impressed in being able to meet them, talk to them and we say, hey, you know, it's sort of like, hey, we're all human beings. <laughs> it's uh, uh, really personalizes it, and it's really a, a nice aspect of this uh, lay ministry program. And uh, <clears throat> so Saturday, they come in Friday night, and then, and this is, we had two groups for the first time, LM 11A and LM11B, and uh, so there's a total of 11 inductees. Ten of them could make it. Uh, one of them could not make the trip, okay, to, to Brighton and Corsicote out here. Uh, they come from uh, California, from uh, Utah, from Florida, um, Idaho, and uh, <clears throat> from all over, and they come and we meet, talk. Saturday morning, we do our religious services training, funerals, weddings, Tisarana, Buddhist confirmation service. And uh, because we, you know, there was, it was sort of a big, uh, we were, we had, we start, started Bright Dawn Center, and maybe we went for about five, six years. We didn't have the lay program. We were just getting our feet wet, so to speak, and and then we see how things develop organically. I said, "Well, yeah, shall we shall we do the lay program or not? That's a big step." Okay, uh, and then also 
if they're, we don't say ordained, we say inducted as a lay minister. Exactly what does that mean, lay minister? Are they, are they qualified to, to do services, funerals and weddings and so forth? We're our own spiritual authority, right, Don? We don't have to answer to a headquarters anyplace else. We are the headquarters. <laughs> and so I said, well, you know, there's a wide range of uh, local situations that the lay ministers have. Some of them strictly personal. They went on it. Some of them, they, start, they have their own group. Okay. Uh, some of them are chaplains in universities and so forth, but they have to have their own group. And uh, I thought it was a shame. You know, you got to cover the whole range. So, because you don't know someone that just did it for personal, because we're talking then in the future, so many decades, maybe a group might start. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> then the point is, if in their congregation, their participants, they, someone does have a funeral, does have a wedding, and and if the lay minister says, oh, you know, I, we're not set up to, to perform these services. And here, th- this person knows them, okay, and so forth. And But then they got to go out into the community and get another clergy uh, stranger, probably, to do these very um, meaningful life changes. I said, you know, so... I said, okay, we're going to include this training. So I have a, uh, we have a handbook, we have a, uh, handouts and everything about how we do services. And it's not like it's an official bright dawn way to do things. And what is their title? Okay. Sensei, reverend, minister, and uh, what kind of robes? Okay. We don't specify any of this. Huh? Okay. Uh, we give them resource information about it and so forth. And then they go back to their to their locale, their hometown, and and uh, they're all set. They're all set, and it's been working out beautifully. Now, in the first ten years, I think of uh, that we started this in 2006. Uh, maybe the first ten years. I taught all the courses myself <laughs> in the curriculum. But then this LM11, you know, uh, 11 people, there were even more than that because usually a couple of them dropped because of personal reasons and time things, conflicts. But so uh, by that time, of course, we had about 40 lay ministers that were had been already inducted. And uh, so... I got volunteers, and some of them can be the host. They don't have to know that much. They know a lot, I do they do, but it's not like they're teaching the course. They just facilitate their hosts, okay, the order of reports, and then they say, okay, so-and-so. You know, the, uh, each, each uh, teleconference, they give a Dharma glimpse, we call it. Uh, Adrian came up with that term. It's kind of neat. Okay? Any teaching in your everyday life? You know, any glimpse of the Dharma, and they give a real short, maybe five-minute Dharma glimpse at the beginning of each session. So each one of them, they get practices every week. 
And then they get practice listening and to other people's Dharma glimpses. They read the written other people's written reports and the discussion, and they learn how to. Well, as one person put it, I thought the job was to dig out teachings in everyday life. Uh, but it's not that you find have to find and dig out the teachings in your environment, outside, externally. She she finally realized, well, this program is about learning how to dig inside and find the teaching, discover slash create the teaching. Uh, that is by the uh, glib, uh, by the uh, what stereotype quote. Teach a, a fish to a hungry man and eats for the day, but you teach him how to fish, he could feed himself for a lifetime. That's sort of our niche because they they have to see something, whether it's a Dharma glimpse that they got to come up with or whether it's reading somebody else's report. And say, you, you sort of turn on a, a switch, internal switch, and say, hey, let me look at this. What? There's something in there for me if I pay attention, if I'm aware. Okay. You don't wait for some teaching to knock you over the head or, you know, bowl you over. Okay. If you have the, the sincere beginner's mind attitude, uh, you, you start to know how to fish, okay, using that analogy. Um, and uh, it's been very uh, rewarding, you know, uh, <laughs> I could say. But uh, as I said, this induction weekend, everybody comes and we meet in person. And uh, it's really impressive in terms of what they accomplished, okay, in terms of, well, I want to introduce, to give us a guest Dharma glimpse, and that's just that word. And these are all by past lay ministers. Okay? For example, Morris Sekiel is uh, <clears throat> going to give us the Dharma glimpse today. And he taped the message and he sends the, the digital thing to us and we put it up on this blog talk radio. And then I just hit the button okay, after I introduce him. But he's in, uh, <clears throat> in Central Florida, his home, and he was part of LM3 group. We're at LM11 now. And we have three groups for LM12 going on now. So the next year is going to be even larger uh, group for the induction. Uh, for LM13, we're already capped at eight people max. And I think it's better to stay small, you know. You start getting large like this and then things start to fall through the cracks and it's not uh you know if people apply after it's full the class is filled up with max of eight because they you know you need that just about that amount for good discussion in a group teleconference and people that are interested uh that applied afterwards then we say well i'm sorry but you have to wait till next year okay the next September, when the next uh, so-called academic year will start, and that's fine. I said, and if your plans change, that's fine. And uh, well, we'll see what happens. Okay, but when we did eleven, 
it filled up one class filled up fast at eight people and and it was fast so it was we still had a lot of time before September and then we have more applicants and they send in their character references we look a moment say, okay you're accepted but you're going to have to wait until the next year but then they all added up and we said we had enough for two groups why not okay uh but in a way i suppose it's a good problem to have but in another way i'm hoping it's just just nicer if you have one group you know it's not the uh, the usual intention of all of success means you get big okay and i think that's uh what you might call a danger in educational programs or something like this where uh, it becomes too, too, you don't find the freedom within the religion. I remember the late uh, Professor Al Bloom, I don't know where he got this quote, but he was talking about, hey, if Shinran Shonin, you know, founder of Shin Buddhism, were to visit the United States and go to the Shin temples, Shin Buddhist temples, he, 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 he says there should, there should be a sign in the, on the front door of every entrance to the Buddhist temple said, if, it's sort of like a warning on a, on a cigarette package. Warning, this might be uh, detrimental to your spiritual health when you join an organized social institution, you know, of uh, organized religion. Because the irony of it is the founder or the early leaders they offered something that people said, hey, this is good. This is meaningful. This, Then you start to get too big. And what happens when it gets too big? It could be a cancer in your organization. People said, oh, that was good. So we want to preserve it. You got to do it a certain way and whatnot. You know? So that's our niche is we don't do that. Okay? We're more horizontal. We're not the vertical in terms of Master, disciple, and, okay. Um, anyway, more secular. Uh, we have a Yo lineage. That's kind of interesting, too. Uh, Dharma name, okay. Yo means, uh, Taiyo in Japanese, it means the, 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 the sun, okay. S-U-N. So it means uh, the dawn, bright dawn. <laughs> and, of course, Gyome, my father's name, is translated as bright dawn. And we're the bright dawn center of oneness Buddhism, because he always said, we're non-sectarian, non-dualistic approach to the Dharma teachings. That, that is the, you know, the phrase. Okay? And um, so, uh, well, sometimes I'm thinking about a couple of things at the same time, and then I say one, and then I, I forgot what the other one was. So uh, you missed out on a real great insight. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. Because I want to introduce more Sekio and his Florida LM3 group. And I might mention that there was a... We added a last question to the, to the application form. And the last question is, where did you hear about our particular program? And you find, that's where you find out good, interesting information. Okay. Uh, uh, and quite a few... Is word of mouth. Okay. It's past lay ministers having a blog or having a uh, internet presence and 
they they were attractive attracted these these participants, and then if they mentioned, well, I studied here, right on, and then, oh, and these people will follow up on it, and that's what happens. Uh, word of mouth, um, and more secular, and I give them the yo. Dharma name has two characters. The second one is yo. Okay, it's a Chinese written character. And the first one is a more personalized. Seki means stone. He's like a stone son. I mean, stoned in the sense of an adjective that means solid, man, you know, all the way, you know. Uh, in a negative way, you might say, oh, he's a stone cold killer or something like that. Or, you know, it means uh, rock means solid. And, of course, we have uh, Dharma is my rock. Passage is one of our key things, and uh, we like to play uh, Bob Seger's Like a Rock, you know, that Chevy Truck commercial. And so we have a lot of fun with this. Eh? You personalize, you internalize the presentation of the teachings. It's, you, you, you sort of discover a teaching, but at the same time, there's a creative process of you. You're creating it. It's a dynamic interaction there. And to realize that through practice over two years, you do learn how to fish. Okay? And the, the Dharma is a, is a good catch. More secular sensei. Good morning. I spend some of my time these days as a university chaplain. And we're at the end of the school year. Commencement was just last weekend. I was at a meeting this week talking to someone on the university staff about how their year had gone. This was a woman about my age. I'm 63. And she commented on the world that today's graduates are living in. And I agreed that with separatist politics, climate change, gun violence, and things like that, the situation can seem pretty bleak sometimes. But during this time of year, there are a lot of award ceremonies where we recognize amazing work done by our students. And as a chaplain, I attend them and offer invocations and blessings at these events. And I get to meet these bright students and hear their mentors talking about the incredible work that they're doing to save the world. In Buddhism, blessings aren't something bestowed on us from somewhere above. They're the results of our good actions. We make new blessings every day. Every time we do the right thing, a charitable thing, a wise thing, a compassionate thing. So to hear these stories is to realize that there are blessings being created every day by people who will not only live in the future, but will shape it. Earlier this year, I was in New Mexico for a National University Chaplains Conference. And we had a talk from Valerie Carr. She's a Sikh who grew up in California, and she was 20 and in college studying film when a friend of her family became the first victim of hate crime after September 11. And her response was to make a documentary, Divided We Fall, and ultimately to found the Revolutionary Love Project, which aims to make love an ethic in public life. In her talk, she was talking about purposeful work, and she made an interesting comment. She said, success should not be measured by outcomes, but by faithfulness to your values. I'm sure we all saw the fire that consumed Notre Dame Cathedral. I think it's helpful 
to realize that the people who started construction of these ancient cathedrals never expected to see them finished in their own lifetimes. But they laid the stones carefully anyway. It took a century to build that particular cathedral, and it continued to evolve, to grow, to be rebuilt several times after fires and desecrations. Outcomes changed, but the work was always guided by faithfulness to the cathedral's values. There are many young people out there working every day to create new blessings, measuring success by how well they stick to their values. That doesn't let older adults like me off the hook. Whatever we can do to help their work or to create an environment conducive to their work will compound those blessings. Our experience of life, and whether it's good or bad, has a great deal to do with where we put our attention. The lives of our children all over the world will be greatly affected tomorrow by how well we use our attention today. If we pay attention skillfully, we can leave the world better than we found it. So thank you for your attention. Thank you very much. I couldn't help but when I'm listening, uh, uh, I'd sort of jot down some associations I have. And, you know, and every time I, I kind of focus on particular teaching. I said, man, this is the most important thing in Buddhism. This is the, this is the you know, to emphasize it. Uh, it's sort of like when you ask somebody, uh, you know, what's your favorite food? And usually, uh, I guess an enlightened person might say, hey, it's, it's what I'm eating right now. And they mean it. It's a, seriously, they say, oh, this is the greatest food. Okay? Because they're very present-centered. Huh? So... <clears throat> What is the most important teaching? Well, of course, <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember when he was talking about uh, 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 how, how, there's a saying, end justifies the means. Uh, we don't follow that, that, that quote, end justifies the means. That means it doesn't matter <clears throat> how you travel there. As long as you got to the destination, you know, that's all that matters, you know. There's a there's an emphasis on efficiency, on success, okay, and what the definition is of failure and success. It's very dualistic. Here's the means to an end. But you find some great spiritual leaders like Dogen, uh, founder of Soto Zen in Japan. One of his my favorites quote of his is, "Practice is enlightenment." Okay. It's not a means to an end. Okay. And then there's the uh, uh, common quote about, hey, it's the journey, not the destination. Okay. Uh, and that's why in this season, end of May and beginning of June, we have a lot of uh, graduation ceremonies on all different levels. And isn't it interesting? I kind of studied the history of the origin of <clears throat> How come graduation is called commencement? Uh, there's a lot of wisdom there. It's saying, hey, you're graduating, you're completing, you're celebrating the completion, but the ceremony is commencement, which means to begin. You know? Uh, it's a circle rather than a line, is one way to put it. Okay? Uh, uh, philosophies, religions, a line, a linear approach means, well, on the left side is the start, and at the end of the straight line is the end. 
And if you travel only halfway down that line and you stop, so I didn't, I didn't uh, reach the end of this line. I didn't, I didn't make it. I failed. Whereas the Eastern or Buddhist conception of this approach is that it's a circle. So you take that line and <laughs> twist it around so you make a circle. Now, where's the beginning and where's the end? Where do you start? How do you start? You start right where you're at. And at every point along the circle could be an end and the beginning at the same time. Very dynamic. Huh? So circle... Any point is a commencement. Any point is a graduation. Okay? You don't have to worry about those labels, even though we live in that relative world. Okay? But we know how to live an absolute life. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, hey, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.